Jesus. Thank you for reminding us we need the Lord every moment, every hour. Heavenly Father, thank you for preparing our hearts through that song. And now as we come to thy word, open our eyes that we might see. And give us understanding, Father, that we might apply it to our lives and be more like Christ. We'll thank you for what you do in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me, let's turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians. As you're turning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, this morning we are just going to look at four uh, uh, to five more verses we're at 6 through 10, okay? Now, uh, here is uh, a surprise. We are concluding our study of 1 Thessalonians today. Now you're saying, what? We just started it. But what I wanted to do was use the this passage here, and of course the passage... We, we looked at uh, verses 1 through 5 two weeks ago. But using this, the subject matter, as a springboard for a new study of another book that is, I think, so desperately needed for us and to understand. And um, I'm not going to tell you what book that is at this point. But this is going to springboard us into this next uh, book uh, next week. So I want to first refresh our memory, verses 1 through 5. As you recall, Paul wrote here to the church at Thessalonica, verse 1, chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy... To the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you. Making mention in our prayers. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love. And steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the presence of our God and Father. Knowing, brethren... Beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in the power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. So the Apostle Paul began this letter to them, commending them because he recalled what kind of church they were, that they were a church that was growing in the Lord, a young church, a persecuted church. But again, he was, he's constantly reminded of them because of their, their work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. And that leads us then to the next uh, portion of scripture here, verses 6 through 10. 6 through 10. Look at verse 6 then. He now goes on and writes, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation, 
with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Here the Apostle Paul now basically says to them, boy, you're doing great at imitating me. I can't believe, he, he, he is so amazed at this little church and how their testimony has gone far and wide, letting the whole uh, area of Asia Minor and Achaia, uh, the, all the other churches and Christians are hearing about this little church that, that you would think nobody would ever hear of. But there was something about this church in Thessalonica that caused them to shine. They were shining in such a way that they were being talked about everywhere. And what were people talking about? They were talking about the kind of people in that church. They were talking about the, the, uh, the love that these people had, the, their behavior, uh, their actions that were so Christ-like. Now, the Apostle Paul uses this term, imitators. You also became imitators of us. Notice he then says, and of the Lord. So to be imitators, the apostle Paul and the other apostles, that would mean they are actually imitating Christ, which the apostle Paul has done. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he wrote, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me. Now, can you imagine if uh, uh, we came to, to a, a family get-together and you, 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 you got up and said to, to everybody there, now I want you all to be imitators of me. Okay? Yes, would you? Yeah, take a look at my life and imitate me. I mean, none of us would stand up and do that, would we? Of course not. Yet Paul is telling the churches, look at me and imitate me. What kind of life must he have been living in order to say such a thing? It's because he was allowing the life of Christ that was in him to live out through him and absolutely be manifested in his life body. Paul says on different occasions about being an imitator of Christ. Now this word imitation here or imitators, uh, you've heard the idiom uh, that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So we, we've heard that. Now this Greek word here for imitators is the Greek word Mimesis or mimesis, okay? Have you ever heard the word, our English word mimic? 
This is where we get our English word mimic from mimesis. And this Greek word uh, actually has two, two meanings to it. One is you can imitate someone in a positive way or to, to give them tribute. Or you can mimic someone in a mocking fashion. Now, I think we have a lot of that today. When you turn on the TV and you see people imitating the president or former president or other famous people, and you get people uh, imitating, you know, and some do it to give honor to the person, and others do it to make fun of them, to mimic them. But this Greek word actually refers more to a representation rather than just a copy. That, that you're really trying, a person is really trying to be as much like that individual as they possibly can. Uh, I, when I was a kid uh, growing up, I, I used to love to do imitations. Did anybody of you ever do, love to do imitations? Probably not. But, uh, but, you know, famous people. And so I would have a few famous, you know, people I would mimic at family get-togethers, stuff like that. And, uh, well, Pilgrim, uh, you know who that is? Whoa, look at that. See? Now, I like John Wayne. I always have. So when I mimic him, it would be in an honorable way. But... You know, just two words, that's all you have to do, and you imitate somebody. And uh, let me think of another one. All right, here we go. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> yes, you've heard me do that before. Oh, my word, our Elvis. But there are ways to imitate, but Paul is saying, Church, I'm proud of you because... You have become imitators of me and the rest of the apostles. Now, I'm just wondering, is Chase here? Chase, are you back there? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of someone I could call up to help me. Would you come up and help me, buddy? Would you be my volunteer? Thank you. Give him a hand. Thank you. You're great. Okay. Thank you, Chase, for being a guinea pig. I mean, being our imitator, okay? So, so there are people in our life that we imitate, right? Well, what, I'm going to see how good you can do this. I want you to imitate someone, okay? And I want you to imitate your grandpa, okay? So think about some things he might say. Or how he would say it. And, oh, by the way, uh, if nobody knows who his grandfather is, Rusty, would you please stand? Uh, uh, come on, stand up. Let him, let him know who you are. There he is. There he is. Okay, give him a hand. He's the man. He's the famous Rusty. Grandpa. Okay? And, and, and well, we've got to make you look like him a little bit. 
so, well, well, I know he, did, oh, he doesn't have hair, but it's the same color on the sides, like me. So what we'll do is we'll just put, put, pretend it's on the side, all right? Sarah, so you're a little bald right there. So, okay, so is this, is this yellow one working there, Greg? Do, do, do. There we go, okay? So anything you can do to mimic your grandfather, take a minute to think about it. But now we want to do it in a funny way, and yet it's, you're doing it because you love him and you want to honor him, okay? But can you think of anything that he, he would say or do? Okay. He likes to work with Amish. He, he what? He likes to work with Amish. He likes to work with Amish. Yes. Can, now, can you sound like him? No. You, 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 you don't want to try and do his voice? Like, mm. like uh, what would he say to you or the kids? Uh, like, any, any, any particular thing he usually likes to say to you and the other grandkids? Like, if you're getting out of line or maybe... Like yelling at us? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Give us, give us uh, something that, like, if he were yelling at you and you were in trouble. And he's trying to get you to uh, straighten up. Usually just give us a death look or a... It gives you a death, death look. Death stare. Oh, oh. So it's more stare than, than at all. Yeah. Okay. And after that, we don't talk to him ever. Like, for, uh, oh, okay, you don't. He puts fear in our eyes. So. He puts fear in your eyes? Yeah. All right. Hey, we better stop there before <laughs> we get any more trouble. Give him a hand. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Chase. Appreciate it. Oh, man. I'm telling you. Oh. So, thank you, buddy. I'm putting on the spot to do that. That was rough. But, but I, I wanted to do that to get you, uh, give you a picture. Um, He's got his grandfather in mind, and he's thinking of his characteristics. What makes grandpa, grandpa? What is the thing that, that makes him stand out? And I know many of you, there's someone in your life, whether it's a grandmother, a grandfather, an uncle, someone in your life or someone you knew uh, who you admired so much, had such an impact on your life. And they, they impacted you in such a way that, that you would love to be like them. Think of that person, the person that you would desire to be like them. And uh, now, you, 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 some of you moms, I, what have you said to uh, your, your son sometimes? Uh, you're just like your father, you know, and then it may come across the wrong way about maybe uh, the not so good side. But Paul is trying to point out something to this, this church. You are imitators of me and therefore imitators of Christ. And I pray that this would be Jonestown Bible Church mo that we would continue to be because i've already seen it and others have seen it they've seen christ in you they've seen the gospel that we we hear love christ we love each other we love the word of god 
and we desire for the gospel to go forth. And so with the Lord's help, by God's grace alone, we've, we, we have a word that has spread. There are no perfect churches. There are problems in every churches, including here. But the wonderful thing is that God takes imperfect people and uses them for his glory. Imperfect churches, and he can glorify himself as the people of God seek to imitate Christ. And so I, I want you to see uh, uh, the differences here. Uh, there are those who are real imitators, and then there are those who are fake imitators. Okay? So think of the real ones. The, the church at Thessalonica, they were real imitators. They were so much like the Apostle Paul uh, because they were allowing Christ to live through them that, that they were as, as close to the t type of behavior and actions and words and, and loving uh, that the Apostle Paul was. They were real. But then we have the false, the fake imitators, the one who tried to fake it. And I want you to see it. Turn to Matthew chapter 23 with me. Let's go to Matthew 23 together. And the Lord Jesus here in chapter 23, he calls out some imitators. And they happen to be named Pharisees and scribes. The Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes. Okay, and look at verse 1. Matthew 23, look what Jesus says about the religious men of that day. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and said to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to what? their deeds for they say things and they do not do them you see the pharisees sadducees they were faking it they were faking the "Ooh, i'm the godly one i'm the holier than thou i'm the religious leader i'm the rabbi you know bow down and, and kiss my feet and and uh everything i say goes you you do what i tell you to do but jesus is calling them out saying you're you're phony imitators of godliness. You're phony imitators of righteousness. And then he goes on, verse 4. And they tie up heavy loads, and they lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. And they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries. Now there's a word for you. Phylacteries, what is that? Well, phylacteries were little boxes that the Jewish rabbis, the Pharisees and Sadducees, scribes, they would have little boxes with certain scripture verses in them. And they would, they, they would hang them around their neck or on their forehead or some part of their, their, their garment. And so then people could see, whoa, See, he's carrying the word of God with him. There's a Pharisee. He's a teacher of the word of God. 
And so that's what it, he's talking about. And so he, Jesus is saying, oh, they make their boxes bigger and bigger so that you notice them and they look like they're righteous people. And lengthen the tassels of their garments. Verse 6, and they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called by men rabbi. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, speaking of Christ, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth your father, for one, capital O, is your father, he who is in heaven, God the Father. And do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ, speaking of himself. But the greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. Whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Humility. Here Jesus is calling out um, the fake imitators. And yet there are those who Jesus commended for being humble and righteous and men of faith. We don't have time to look, look at it, but you can see the difference. There are those in, in our churches today who are playing church and they, they may look good on the outside, and they, but, but you can begin to tell that during the week, they're a completely different person than they are on Sunday. Because the world has its, has its attractions and suddenly it can get into our, our hearts, our attitudes, and suddenly we become more and more like the world. And suddenly people will look at us out there during the week and they won't notice a difference between them and you or me. Because I am not allowing Christ to be seen in me. I am not being an imitator of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what he desires of all of us. Now I want you to see uh, this uh, particular story. You know it very well. Turn to Genesis 27. Let's go to Genesis 27. Here is that familiar story of Jacob and Esau. Verse 1 of Genesis 27. Now, back in uh, chapter 25, you remember the story that Jacob was able to trick his brother Esau into selling him his birthright. Okay, so, so he got the birthright from Esau, which was really Esau's sin, even though it wasn't right that Jacob did this. God called out Esau for, for sinning because he didn't care about the being the, the firstborn and the birthrights that came with it. So, uh, and, and so therefore, it ends up that Jacob's going to be receiving the firstborn's blessing, which Esau should have had. But look at this, verse 1. Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see. And he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son. And he said to him, Here I am. And Isaac said, Behold now, I am old and I do not know the day of my death. 
Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, and your bow. Go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare a savory dish from me such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat. So that my soul may bless you before I die. I know some of you who are hunters, you go out there and when you come back with your game, you know how to cook it. And you cook it really well and people and family and friends, they can't wait for you to add that seasoning, whatever you do to make it taste so good. Esau was good at that and dad loved it. So he says, man, I'm, I'm near the end here. Go, go make me one of my favorite dishes that you used to make. And so he went out. Now look at verse five. And Rebecca was listening. Here's mom. While Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for the game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat, and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. <laughs> now she already knew that Jacob had gotten the, uh, the birthright. Verse 8. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock. Bring me two choice kids from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death instead of his brother Esau. Verse 11. And Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, behold, though. Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am smooth. You can see the difference between brothers. Perhaps my father will feel me, and then I shall be as a deceiver in his sight, and I shall bring upon myself a curse, not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get them for me. So he went and he got them and he brought them to his mother and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Ah, then mom has a great idea. It's costume time. Verse 15. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her eldest son, which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Now, remember, Isaac's going blind. So he can't see. And she put the skins of the kids on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And also gave him the savory food and bread, which she made uh, to her, uh, made for her son to give to Isaac. And then he came to his father and he said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said, I am Esau, your firstborn. Any of you brothers ever try and imitate your brother and then you did a bad job of it? You, you just couldn't uh, imitate his voice or, or something like that. And so he's trying to imitate, but he can't do the voice. And so he says, I'm your firstborn. I have done as you told. Get up, please. Eat here my game that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have come back so quickly, my son? 
He went, did some hunting, brought it back, you know, and skinned it and then was able to, to cook it. He can't believe how quickly he got back. And he said, look what Jacob says. Because the Lord, your God, caused it to happen to me. In other words, he's saying, Father, it's a miracle that I could put this. God gave me the, the game and here it is. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not, because the voice was giving him away. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because of his hands were hairy like his brother's, brother Esau's hands. So what? He blessed him. So he blessed him. Here it is. We suddenly see that, that Jacob imitated his brother. And though it was deceitful, Jacob wanted God's blessing on him. The blessings of the firstborn. And God allowed it to happen. Yes, even though Jacob was deceitful, yet God had a plan to use Jacob's imitation of his brother to do something incredible where Jacob would, would suddenly receive the rights of the firstborn and through Jacob then would be the line of the Messiah. You and I sometimes... We may try and, uh, if there's sin in our life, if there's sin in my life and I don't confess it, I don't deal with it, I can go out and I can try and imitate a, a, a Christian that is walking close to the Lord. We've all done that. And then, then when we start doing that, it looks good to others on the outside and they think, wow, they're living, they're living a good life. Boy, I want to be like them. But then I, they find out maybe that, that there is sin that, that I have been doing that I have not confessed. And I need to make it right. God is looking for imitators of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of you and me. And he says, look at the heart. I want you to look at the heart and... See if there be any wicked way in you and then have your heart cleansed and then allow Jesus to be your, um, uh, your power and be the character in you as he lives his life through you. Turn back to, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 then. Verse 6 and 7 again. Notice then Paul says, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became, verse 7, an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Now there in verse 7, uh, I'm sorry, verse 6, notice he says you became in imitators, having received the word, which means the gospel, in what's next much tribulation with the joy of the holy spirit 
What is Paul saying there? Paul's saying, church, you accepted the gospel when I brought it to you. And you received it while there was great persecution going on. And now you continue to be persecuted. But what do you have? You carry on. You imitate me with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Joy. Joy in the midst of sorrow. Joy in the midst of trial. And I think one of the greatest proofs of truly imitating Christ in my life and yours is when affliction comes. And you and I are put in the furnace of affliction. And trials and suffering come unexpectedly. And then we are put to the test. And God wants to test me. Now is the time he's saying, I want you to be more like my son. Through the suffering you must endure. And it's that suffering that this church was doing that in the midst of all the suffering, they had the joy of the Lord and they would look around and, uh, and they would not have bitterness they wouldn't show resentment to God or to anyone else. They wouldn't say, God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? And get angry at God for it. But no, they accepted it with joy, knowing that God had a purpose and plan. And therefore, Paul heard that their testimony was being spread all over the land because of that. Look at verse 8 through 10. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report, talking about other churches, other believers all around, for they themselves report about, uh, to, uh, about us what kind of a reception we had with you. Again, he's talking about how the Thessalonican people were converted and saved and they came with joy, received the gospel and actually repented of their sin and showed repentance that they were truly saved by turning from idols. And how you turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God. And verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Do you see what Paul is saying here? Paul's saying, I heard about you. I heard about you, dear Christians in Thessalonica. I'm here. When I go here, I hear about you. When I go over to Corinth, I hear about you. Uh, when I go to Philippi, I hear about you because your testimony has sounded forth because people can see that you're real. People can see that you were truly converted, truly saved, and you are seeking to live for Christ. And the evidence was made known by the way they behaved in their life. What did they do? They once were idol worshipers. In that city. But suddenly they turned away from their idols. They turned to Christ. And as they came to Christ. They were told of the truth. 
that Jesus died, rose from the dead, and he's coming again to deliver them from the wrath to come. And so those believers in that little tiny church kept their eyes focused on Christ. And notice he says, waiting. He says, uh, for, uh, concerning them, verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven. They were eagerly awaiting Lord Jesus come. And their life was showing that they were waiting for Christ and they did not want to dishonor the Lord. When we think of, of those who suffer and suffered with joy, what's one of the stories you, that comes to your mind from, uh, from the book of Acts? Do you remember a story where two men were thrown into prison and they were chained up? They were first beaten and then they were thrown into prison and they're sitting in the jail chained up. What did they begin to do? Paul and Silas. Sing and praise the Lord. Sing hymns and praise the Lord. What? You do that in the midst of, uh, of persecution and suffering in a prison like that? You can get up and you can praise the Lord? What's wrong with these men? But do you see the effect that that had on the jailer and the other prisoners? And after the earthquake came and the chains fell off, he recognized that this Jesus was real, that Paul and Silas were singing about. They were demonstrating, they were imitating Christ. They were imitating Christ. And we don't have time to turn to it, but there in Philippians, what did Paul say? Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, that though he was God, he took the form of a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death for the joy that was set before him. He humbled himself to go to the cross and he suffered willingly for the glory of his father and to save you and me. And can I suffer in such a way for him? As I think of those in our church family who've been, through, been put through the fires lately, You've been put through many fires. I think of our brother Tom here, Tom Taylor. And Tom, this past week, he was scheduled. He was back in the hospital ready to have his surgery. This, it had been postponed, as you recall, the first time. But he was to have facial reconstruction, constructive surgery, and all kinds of things they had to do. He got to the hospital and they came out to him and says, oh, I'm sorry, but the surgeon that was to fly in to do the surgery from Chicago has COVID. So um, you can go home. And they can't now do the surgery until April at the earliest. Brother Tom has to wait till April. Put yourself in his shoes. He was hit by a truck right you know, head on, and it crushed his face. He shouldn't be alive today. But here he sits here this morning with us. He could have said, you know, God, I'm sorry, but it, I don't understand why you allowed this. So, so I'm throwing in the towel. And 
he could be home right now. Tom could be home right now saying, okay, I'm just going to do it on my own. God wasn't good to me. God didn't care. He could have suddenly, he's, he's ready to have the surgery, and then suddenly the door closes again. Now you've got to wait till April. The, the bitterness that could rise up in his heart. And yet, where is Tom? He's right here, sitting here, wanting to worship the Lord in his suffering. And he has given the unknown to God. He's given his unknown to God. Though he doesn't understand, he has no answers. He's saying, but I will trust in my Savior. And what Tom is doing, he's giving us an example of how to imitate Christ. And oh, my friends, that you and I could do the same. You came here this morning, and I don't know what your burden is. I don't know what testing you're going through right now. It may be a relationship. Your marriage might be on the rocks. You may be losing, having problems with a child or a grandchild. You've lost a loved one, and your heart is torn apart, and you just don't know, what do I do next? And you just, just, and sometimes you feel you can't even read God's word, or you can't pray. The Lord is saying, I will be your strength in your weakness. Just like he said to the Apostle Paul, when Paul was given the thorn in the flesh, and Paul Prayed about it for three, time, three times and says, Lord, take it away. Heal me. And God said, no, Paul. He said, no. I want you to learn something. I want you to learn that my grace is sufficient in the time of your trouble and your suffering and your need. My grace will, and my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. And dear Christian, you can leave here strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you, the Spirit of Christ. And he will sustain you and carry you until he is revealed from heaven. You can make it through. Just continue to trust him. And say, Father, no matter what happens, help me in my suffering to be an imitator of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered for me. When he went to the cross. Let's pray together. As we bow this morning. And close. Dear Christian. Perhaps the Lord. Is speaking to your heart this morning. And there's something. Weighing so heavily upon you. That your mind can't think of anything else. And you've noticed that bitterness has tried to seep in. Maybe it's something that someone has done to you and you have trouble forgiving them. There again, through the living Christ that lives within you, he can help you to forgive. He can take away your bitterness. He can, tell, he can help you to accept God's will in your life, whatever that is, no matter how painful it is. Would you just now surrender your will to the Lord afresh and say, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. 
May Christ be seen in me in the midst of my suffering, Father. And help me to be more like your son in every way. Dear Christian, if you make that commitment this morning, other Christians in the world will see Christ in you, the hope of glory. They'll see the difference. They'll wonder, how are you making it through? And you have the opportunity to give your testimony and say, it's all because of Christ, not my own strength, but it's Christ in me. If you're here without the Lord Jesus as your savior, you've never trusted him by faith. I invite you to accept him right now. Put your faith and trust in Christ to save you from your sin and that you might become a child of God and be cleansed from all your unrighteousness. He died on that cross to take your place and took the punishment for your sins. That if you but now trust him and ask him to save you, he will. He'll, he'll cleanse your heart and he'll make you a new creation. If you want that to take place, would you pray a simple prayer like this with me right now? Right where you sit. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. And you took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart. Wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me. And rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with heads still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now a child of the King. Old things pass away, all things have become new. Welcome to the family of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for decisions that have been made this morning. And Father, I pray that we might leave here, Father, seeking to imitate your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will truly be him that will be seen in us because you've chosen to dwell within every believer that we might manifest your son. Father, encourage the saints. And Father, may we bring glory and honor to you until Jesus returns. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.